Hello, and welcome to the Commander Theory Podcast. I'm Nick Beatman, and I'm here with my friend, Zach Mack. Hello, theorists. So today, we are going to be going through our predictions that we made during Crimson Vow spoiler season, and just seeing how we did in terms of guessing what cards would become the most adopted on EDH Rec. Uh, and then we're going to be sharing our predictions for what cards from Kamigawa Neon Dynasty are going to be most likely to become format staples. So as a reminder, uh, the metric we use is the number of decks on EDH Rec that, uh, that, that bring in this card, that, that start running this card. So with that in mind, uh, it's likely there is a little bit of skewing in some, certain directions, like colorless cards get a bit of a boost. Um, but that's that's generally the metric we use when looking at um, adoption. There's other ways to slice and dice it if you like want to weight it by color identity or anything or something like that. Um, but before we jump in, I want to briefly talk about our Patreon. If you head on over to patreon.com slash commander theory, you can support the show and get sweet benefits for as little as one dollar a month. If you aren't ready to be a patron yet, you can help us out by rating or reviewing us wherever you get your podcasts. All right, with that, let's jump right into our Innistrad Crimson Vow predictions. Yeah, yeah, get it, get get it going. So I'll, I guess I'll go first. So number one on my list was the dual land cycle. Um, I was really impressed with the ones from Midnight Hunt and thought that um, it would be natural for the Crimson Vow ones to also take a, a top spot on EDA Trek. I also thought Demonic Bargain, the three mana, um, the three mana tutor that mills the top thirteen cards of your library. I thought that one made a lot of sense. Uh, Wash away the cancel that has an, this alternate mode where you can pay a single blue and counter a spell not cast from someone's hand. So often that means a commander. Um, Holebreaker Horror was another I thought had a good shot. This is the uh, seven mana. 7-8 with Flash. It's like the Tide Spout Tyrant that can't, can't bounce lands, and it can also bounce spells. Um, a small price to pay. <laughs> that's a, a small price to pay. Also, can't be countered. What's up with that? Uh, I also had on my list, by invitation only, this is the three white-white sorcery. It's the Wrath, where you choose a number, and then each player sacrifices that many number of creatures, or sacrifices that many creatures. And that one, I thought, made a lot of sense. It's a Wrath that performs especially well in like go wide white decks um i also had on my list necro duality that's the mythic blue enchantment that doubles your non-token um it doubles your non-token zombies i had fell stinger which is like the two and a black three two death touch with exploit and when it exploits a creature target player draws two cards and loses two life uh, i figured that one was just like really good utility that was easy to fit into sacrifice decks. Uh, also on my list, Curse of Hospitality. This is two in a red uh, aura curse. And whenever a creature deals combat damage to enchanted player, uh, that creature's controller exiles the top card of the, the damaged player's library and can cast it. Uh, so that one I figured um, that one might have oh, also uh Creatures attacking that player have trample. Um, so that one I figured, like, there is, of course, a lot of uh, evergreen interest in curses. And this really seemed like one of the better ones. 
Yeah, I still stand by that. <laughs> Uh, Reckless Impulse is one in a red for a sorcery, uh, and you just impulse draw two, and you can play them until the end of your next turn. Uh, that just seemed like a good, cheap card advantage sort of thing, especially in like Prosper decks. Lantern of the Lost is like the newest twist on like one mana artifacts that nuke graveyards. Uh, and then my honorable mentions were Scattered Thoughts, um, which is the three and a blue instant. Look at the top four, put two into your hand and two in your graveyard. And Thirst for Discovery, uh, which is like the thirst for knowledge, thirst for meaning. Um, but you discard a, discard two cards unless you discard a basic land. So that was my top 10. What were your 10 predictions for Innistrad Crimson Vow? Yeah, I mean, it seems like it was not that long ago. <laughs> um, so my number one was the land cycle. I think we both just saw how much of a slam dunk those were um so don't really need to get into that but then my number two is welcoming vampire i was like this is just better uh, mentor the meek this seems like a thing that well better quote quote it's different but I, I felt like something that people would be into uh white needed a card draw this literally says draw a card for doing things white does um hellbreaker horror was my number three just because of the reason you said just that card is absolutely bonkers for th this set really in particular i had to like pick and choose uh nick said it was a cop out to group things together because there was like fell stinger headless rider necro duality a bunch of like these cards that go into zombie decks that i was like can i just group them together nick uh correctly was like no don't do that <laughs> <laughs> so um I didn't do that. I listed out the ones that I thought would be most impactful. So Necro Duality uh, was my number four. It, this is the uh, blue enchantment that, uh, well, I guess Nick actually told you, so you don't, I don't need to say it again. Uh, five was Headless Rider. So this one is the three one for three mana, two and a black. It's a zombie. And it says when a non-token zombie you control dies, you make a two, two black zombie creature token. Um, so both of those, I was like, these just go in every zombie deck, like period, full stop, whatever. I'm going to put them on my list. Six, I put Averbrook Caretaker. This is the uh, hexproof werewolf that uh, when it flips, it puts all your things get hexproof and it puts plus and plus one counters on all your things. And when it's not flipped, it puts counters on one thing. I figured with all the plus one plus one shenanigans we had going around, like this would be something people wanted. It's really hard to deal with. Um, and night day happens more than I thought it was. So I figured there'd be a chance that it, you could, you could finagle it or something. I don't know. Wash away was my number eight. It was the, uh, blue counter spell that, uh, for one blue, it counters something not cast from hand and for two and blue, blue, it just is a full on cancel. Um, people cast commanders, not from hand. Uh, you know, mm -hmm. uh, as Nick said. So my number nine was Toxrill. Um, Toxrill being the gigantic seven mana slug commander. Uh, but I didn't mean it in the commander sense this time. I just was like, Toxrill is such a huge beating. I just figured people would be putting this index even if Toxrill wasn't at the head. Um, and then my number 10 was Thirst for Discovery. And this one uh, was kind of motivated by the fact that it's just really good <laughs> and it's really good card draw it's three mana um discarding a basic land is probably what she would have done anyway if you drew three and discarded one not really that big of an ask um 
and yeah instant speed we don't normally get these at this rate anymore um so i was like that's cool my honorable mentions weren't necessarily cards that i actually think we're gonna see play they're cards i wanted you to pay attention to (laughs) (laughs) as listeners so just to bring them up again to get on my high horse it was scattered thoughts um both me and nick had this on our honorable mentions and that's because like if you're gonna play factor fiction think about playing scattered thoughts instead i know it's technically sometimes less cards or whatever but like you take out the question of what piles your opponents are going to give you um next time you factor fiction look at the piles and go would this have been easier and would i have gotten what i wanted if i just scattered thoughts this instead um just makes the game go faster and it's easy uh and it's the same mana and blah 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 all that stuff Sigarda summons was one that um i wanted people to pay attention to i didn't think it would make the top um i didn't think it would make the top like 10 but it's just such an interesting card and it's like such a beating with all the plus one plus one counter shenanigans we got um spoiler alert there's a lot of that in Kamigawa. So Sigarda Summons is the six mana enchantment for white white. Uh, creatures you control with plus one plus one counters on them have base, power, and toughness four four, have flying, and are angels in addition to their other types. Um it's kind of like a white overrun. It's the first time other than like uh Acroma's uh what Acroma's will um that we've seen something this aggressive in regards mm-hmm. to like white getting an overrun type thing. Definitely. Um, and the last one is Wedding Invitation. Uh, it could have been so cool, but I think it is still like it could still see play. I think there are decks that I'm going to build in the future that might want a Wedding Invitation. So this is the three man enchantment. If you attacked with a bunch of creatures, you draw a card. If you didn't, you make a 1 1 human, and then it flips into a glorious anthem. This card could have been really cool. Uh, they made it not that cool because it has to flip into the glorious anthem. But uh, you know, I'll I'll take it. I take it sometimes. So, um, do you want to get into the actual top ten? Yes. So the actual top ten, uh, and this is in descending number of decks. Um, we've got number one is the lands. I, I think uh, not a huge surprise there. Uh, number two is Holebreaker Horror. Uh, number three is Welcoming Vampire. Number four is Wash Away, the Counterspell. Uh, number five is Cultivator Colossus. So this is one I was honestly a little surprised by. I, I'm I'm not actually. That's the hype was so high. <laughs> I, I think this might be one that like mm, starts to decrease in the rankings as yeah, time goes on. I think so too. Uh, so Cultivator Colossus is four green, green, green. So seven mana for a star, star creature plant beast with trample. Uh, its power and toughness are each equal to the number of lands you control. And when it enters the battlefield, you may put a land from your hand onto the battlefield tapped. If you do draw a card and repeat this process. So it'll, you know, ramp you a little bit and draw some cards when you uh, already have seven mana. But I think really what's driving this adoption is the combo with abundance um and we'll see if that combo ends up standing the test of time and but anyway that is our current number five um number six is voldaran estate so this is a land uh, that taps for a colorless or taps for a man of any color uh if you pay one life um and but you can only spend that mana on vampire spells and then it also has five tap create a blood token this ability costs one less to activate for each vampire you control. 
So really easy land to fit into your vampire decks. Um, a lot of upgrades to Edgar Markov type lists, uh, I'm sure, right around the time Crimson Vow came out. So that one makes sense. Uh, Dig Up is one that I was a little low on because of its color identity, but um, I think it makes... I, I'm not surprised to see it on this list. So Dig Up is um, another one of the cleave cards coming out of Crimson Vow. Uh, this is a single green mana for a sorcery. And I guess I should talk about this as if it's a split card. So one mode is single green mana sorcery. Search your library for a basic land card, reveal it, put into your hand, then shuffle. And the other mode is one black, black, green. Search your library for a card, put it into your hand, then shuffle. So essentially it's one mode is, you know, just gets you a land. It's like cycling an Ash Barrens or whatever. Uh, and the other mode is a Diabolic Tutor, but with like a green in the mana cost. Yeah, I, so, can, can I, I actually am surprised to see this on this list, though. Like, I feel like we have so many options. Is it literally the fact that like it's a land or it's what spell you yeah, want? Yeah, yeah, this is kind I mean, to me, this be, looks right? like a, um, like one of the Zendikar MDFCs with like a Diabolic Tutor on one hand and a tap land on the other. Um, so the fact that like this could pretty much just be a land and like you could take out a land for this and probably be okay. Assuming you have enough green sources. Um, I yeah. think that's sort of what is driving the adoption of this card. So I, I think it makes sense to see on the top 10. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. You might've convinced me. I still don't think I'm going to play it, but I was like, I was actually surprised to see this card on here. Unlike actually the next card, which has really impressed me <laughs> as <laughs> we've been playing with the set. Sure. Um, this next card is Mirror Hall Mimic, and I actually don't have a lot of experience from it, so after I read this off, please let me know your thoughts. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, but Mirror Hall Mimic is uh, a clone. It's three and a blue for a zero, zero. Uh, you can have it in the battlefield. It's a copy of any creature on the battlefield, except it's a spirit in addition to its other type. And it has Disturb for three blue, blue, so you can cast it from your graveyard for its Disturb cost. And it's basically a Followed Footsteps. Um, meaning you put it on a it's an aura with enchant creature at the beginning of your upkeep create a token that's a copy of enchanted creature except it's a spirit in addition to its other types and then if ghastly mimicry the the, the name of the aura if it would be put into a graveyard from anywhere exile it instead so clone on one side followed footsteps on the other uh, i think it makes sense i think it's a good card but tell me your experience with it yeah so i i have enjoyed the both aspects of it i like that like when uh they kill it it still has utility i've definitely like pitched it and cast it for the back half so like still able to get uh still able to get utility off of the the spell like in question which is great it's just somehow like they keep printing clones that are just better than clone <laughs> like I thought that like we'd get stunt double which is the clone with flash and I'd be like all right we did it everyone go home but then they printed Sakashima of a thousand faces and they printed mirror hall mimic and I'm like wow these are all just better <laughs> <laughs> these just keep doing stuff so um the fact that it's like a classic clone it can copy any creature and then on the back you can like put it on a, an opponent's creature um 
that is something that is really impressive. Uh, and the fact that you can do that through like discarding. So like uh, I can loot a bunch of cards, put this in the graveyard next turn, put it on a thing. Like I still have a bunch of cards in hand. Um, just the gameplay of it, I guess is what's impressed me. So it's not actually surprising. Like I wouldn't have guessed this. It, obviously I did not guess this in my <laughs> top 10, but it makes more sense after seeing it. Uh, and I also think that people are playing it in their spirits list too. I think that mm-hmm. might be bumping up the numbers a little bit. Because it's still a spirit on the stack. Oh yeah, good point. Um, all right, moving. Well, it's a, it's a spirit on the battlefield too. Does it keep the spirit oh. type? It oh yep, it does. Type. All right, yeah, that, that also might be bumping it up because it is played really heavily in the spirit commanders. So mm. makes a little sense there. Okay, uh, number nine on the list is Necro Duality. Um, the and, and we mentioned that one before. That's the zombie double and enchantment. Uh, and then finally, Headless Rider, the uh, zombie that makes zombies when your zombies die. Uh, so I think you you actually came out pretty well from this one. It looks like you got six out of your ten mm-hmm. predictions mm-hmm. were correct. Boom. Uh, me, not so much. Uh, I'm at a four out of ten this time. Mm-hmm. Um, I will say that, mm, it. I mean, to to excuse myself a little bit uh to get my, let myself off the hook i will say that um for lower powered sets it is a little bit harder to predict and i think yep. kamigawa neon dynasty i think will perhaps be a little bit easier in that regard oh i, I feel like it's actually hard <laughs> we can get into that when we get there but this one was definitely like hard to predict i think like we were looking at it and we're like there's a bunch of like groupings of tribal cards there's a bunch of like utility yeah, I, w- spells. I would say there's at least four slam dunks yeah 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 yeah. um so i think like our we're gonna have i think it's like a high floor in terms of our, our predictions for okay yeah yeah i got you <laughs> um, um but i but do you want to jump right into it or do you want to say anything else on the topic of crimson vow um i think it's interesting and it, just the last like notes on crimson vow is like i think it's interesting how like perceptions were colored having two sets so close together. So I'm talking about like Midnight Hunt and Crimson Vow so close together. Um, and I think like as we peel away over time, things are going to change. Um, like I do not think that uh, Cultivator Colossus will stay as high as it. Maybe people just like trampling creatures that are as big as your mana base. Like, Mm-hmm. Uh, we've had a few of those over the years. We have many of them, actually. You know, Terrorvor has existed for a, a long Multani. time. Multani, the Multani. <laughs> yeah, Multani doesn't die good. Like <laughs> we have a lot of these, so it has to be that combo that's really pushing it over the edge, and/or the fact that just people have short attention spans and like forgot about these other cards. But um, I, I do think. If we come back to Crimson Vow a year from now, like this list is probably going to look different. Yeah, I think so. Um, but yeah, let's get into Neo. So, do you want to do you want to read off yours first? Sure. Uh, so, number one on my list, I've got Secluded Courtyard. Um, so, this is essentially uh, unclaimed territory, um, but it also is able to add mana specifically for um, activating abilities of creatures of the chosen tribe so again for those who aren't familiar with it unclaimed territory is a land 
uh, as it enters the battlefield, you choose a creature type, taps for a mana, uh, taps for a colorless mana, or you can tap to add one mana of any color and spend this mana only to cast a creature spell of the chosen type. So secluded courtyard is that plus the ability to add them to um, use that colored mana for your activated abilities and such. And unclaimed territory is currently in 47,000 decks on EDH rec. So a a strictly better version of a highly played card. I think that's a a pretty easy win in terms of predicting what's going to see a lot of adoption. And next on my list, I've got Boseju who endures and, you know, typically when we mention land cycles, we, you know, group all of them together. But I really just think like Boseju is clearly so much more powerful and more efficient and more useful than the other ones uh, that I, I just I think this is the one I really want to call out. Um, and so this is the legendary land taps for a green um, and it has channel. So you can pay one in a green to destroy target artifact, enchantment or non-basic land. And uh, then that permanence controller gets a surgery library for a basic land, put onto the battlefield and shuffle. And the activated ability, the channel ability, costs one less for each legendary um, creature you control. So it's, I mean, even at two mana, it would be a good rate. The fact that it's often going to be cast for a single mana and the fact that it goes in your mana base and it answers a lot of really important card types in Commander. um, It's, there's pretty much no reason not to run this card if you're... (laughs) in in green and like you know three colors or less (laughs) so so i think that's just a pretty easy one the the really the one thing that's going to be hindering its adoption is its price tag because everyone knows it's good um all right number three on my list is farewell so farewell is the new card um it's basically like a better austere command um so it's four white, white for sorcery, choose one or more, exile all artifacts, exile all creatures, exile all enchantments, or exile all graveyards. And uh, so a lot of modal power to this one. You can do a lot of things uh, and really act surgically and precise in, in how you're sculpting the board. Um, Austere Command is in 57,000 decks on EDH rec, and Farewell is, uh, if not better, certainly like comparable in power level so i I think that's an easy one as well um lion sash is uh one of the the, those fun little equipment creatures um (laughs) definitely easy to understand because they definitely templated them all the same (laughs) that's a joke (laughs) they didn't at all but they're great (laughs) Uh, so lion sash is one in a white for a one one artifact creature equipment cat it has a uh, single white mana exile target card from a graveyard. If it was a permanent card, put a plus one plus one counter on lion sash equipped creature. gets plus one plus one for each plus one plus one counter on lion sash. And it has reconfigure for two generic mana. So it looks a lot like a scavenging ooze. In fact, it probably grows more easily than a scavenging ooze. Um, it's uh, tutorable. It's graveyard hate. Um, it does a lot on a pretty cheap package and scavenging ooze is in 28,000 decks on EDH rec. So I think that this card has some potential as well. Um, let's see next on my list, I've got reckoners bargain at number five. Uh, so this is the one in a black instant. You can sacrifice an artifact or creature 
and you gain life equal to its mana value and draw two cards. So this looks a lot like a costly plunder. It's pretty much the exact same card, except this also gains you life. And uh, costly plunder is in almost 10,000 decks on EDH rec. So I think if people were to just um, make a quick swap, swap of every costly plunder for a Reckoner's Bargain, that would just launch this into the top 10 easily. So we'll see if that happens. Um, these like minor upgrades, maybe, maybe not everyone cares about those, but uh, we'll, uh, we'll see. Next, uh, we've got Jukai Naturalist. So this is white green for an enchantment creature human monk. It's a 2-2 with lifelink. And it has enchantment creatures you control, or sorry, enchantments, uh, enchantment spells you cast cost one less to cast. So both Herald of the Pantheon and Starfield Mystic are two cost bears that reduce the cost of your enchantment spells by one. Um, and they're played in over 11,000 decks, but crucially, neither of them is an enchantment. So I think it like Jukai Naturalist just does the exact same thing, except happens to have the card type that your entire deck is built around. So I think it's like a really easy swap for people running Herald of the Pantheon or Starfield Mystic to just put in Jukai Naturalist, especially since it's an uncommon. It's not going to be hard to pick up. And I think it's just easy upgrade. This It would make sense to see a lot of these cards in the near future. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Similarly, I've got an Enthusiastic Mechanaut. So this is blue red for a 2-2 artifact creature goblin artificer with flying um and it has artifact spells you cast costs one less to cast uh so there are a lot of decks playing um playing ethereum sculptor uh this one has a more narrow color identity than that card but it's still like an easy inclusion for a lot of decks. There's also some like combo decks that really want to reduce the, the cost of the things they're casting. Like maybe, uh, you know, decks that have, for example, like the sensei's divining top and like future sight combo. This is another potential combo piece to swap in for Ethereum sculptor or uh, foundry inspector or something like that. Uh, I just think this is a, um, pretty a relatively easy inclusion in artifact decks that have this color identity uh next on my list i've got jin Gataxius progress tyrant um he does a lot of things but he's a really back-breaking high-end blue creature i think it's an easy fit for blue reanimation decks um for blue like cheating things into play or polymorph decks uh it's just very powerful i'm sure you're gonna put it in Yambi. So yeah, I, I think yeah. <laughs> this is like, and, and like based on the success of Holebreaker in the last set release, I think that there is clearly interest in like big blue haymakers in the current moment. So I, I think it could do well. Okay. Uh, Kodama of the West Tree. So this is two and a green for a three, three uh, legendary creature spirit with reach. Um this is another one I think makes sense in the main deck of a lot of lists because it has modified creatures you control have trample, and whenever a modified creature you control deals combat damage to a player, search your library for a basic land card, put it on the battlefield tapped, then shuffle. So uh, this is a card that like clearly does nothing if you're not investing in like plus one plus one counters or equipment or auras or whatever, but that doesn't mean it's not extremely good in those lists. 
so my metric for this was like inspiring call inspiring call is the two and a green sorcery you draw a card for each creature you control with a plus plus one counter on it and those creatures gain indestructible until end of turn so that's like the um I mean, it's a green card that doesn't do anything unless you're heavily invested in plus and plus one counters. And that's in 23,000 decks on EDH track. So Kodama is another card that pretty much meets the exact same criteria in terms of the decks you would want to put it in. So I could see it also doing very well. And having like played with the card on Arena, it is actually super busted. It actually (laughs) is (laughs) just crazy to like ramp growth a whole bunch of times every single turn. I can, yeah. Uh, I will, I will yeah. also second that when I talk about my <laughs> predictions. Uh, all right. Uh, let's see. Last card in my top 10 is Spirited Companion. Um, this is one in white for an enchantment creature dog. It's a 1 1, and it has, uh, when it enters the battlefield, you draw a card. Um, so, my point of comparison for this is Wall of Omens. Wall of Omens is the same mana cost, also a creature that draws you a card when it enters the battlefield. That's in 16,000 decks on EDA Trek. Uh, Spirited Companion is could potentially go in more lists because if it's enchantment type, like I could see people running this in enchantment lists. I'm certainly going to put it in Kestia. And uh, although it, it doesn't work so good in Arcades, uh, unlike Wall of Omens, but I think that just Spirited Companion is just like a useful effect for white to have. It's also Skull Clamp compliant, if that matters. Um, so I, I think that could potentially see a lot of play and then finally uh, i've got my honorable mention which is grave lighter this is two and black for a two two uh when it enters the battlefield if a creature died this turn draw a card otherwise each player sacrifices a creature so this is another fleshbag variant um and it still seems that like fleshbag variants we have not yet like hit market saturation i would say like Demon's Disciple is the the most recently printed one that was in Zendikar Rising, and that's in thirteen thousand decks on EDH Rec. So people are still adding the new flesh bags to their decks, and Gravelighter has this. Although it can't, uh, it doesn't work so good if you want to like replay it over and over and over in the same turn. But if you're willing to spread it out, or if you like want this alternate mode where you're drawing a card, um, that is potentially like a reason to run it over the others um or if you just like want the the redundancy it's useful for that so that's my honorable mention but i will let you get into your predictions what do you think is going to see a lot of play in commander yeah um so i like when you go first because i don't have to explain some of the things you said um (laughs) i try to keep my list a little different from nick's i try like try not to look at nick's list until i'm done um and I just put mine in color order this time. So uh, I ended up with a lot of white cards. So the first one is Farewell. Um, the comparisons to Austere Command were already made. And um, it just seems better in a lot of cases. Um, the passive ability to hit graveyards, just like Chef's Kiss, wonderful, great. Um, my second card is uh, going to be Restoration of Iganjo. So this is one of the new sagas, um, and it has really impressed me, <laughs> actually. So um, the restoration of a ganjo is a three mana, uh, woo woo, not equipment, a three mana enchantment saga. Uh, it costs two and a white. 
Chapter one, search your library for a basic planes card, reveal it, put it into your hand, then shuffle. Chapter two, you may discard a card. When you do return, target permanent card with mana value two or less from your graveyard to the battlefield tapped. Um, and then chapter three, it exiles itself and returns transformed as architect of restoration, which I thought wouldn't matter that much, but actually it kind of does. It's a three, four vigilance when architect of restoration attacks or blocks create a one, one colorless spirit creature token. So the Kamigawa spirit, um, this card has really impressed me so far, um, in like the decks that I've like goldfished with it in on arena um i've been able basically to like cheat out a mana rock early or a little like sakura tribe elder or something like uh, another card that's on this list is one that i've gotten out early uh, a lot of times a free spirited companion which i will talk about shortly um that nick already talked about actually um so it's it's been really impressive the like things and the axes this thing attacks on and it gives white like it's the first time i felt techie playing with a white card as opposed to just like play cathar's crusade play token maker enter combat <laughs> like like really straightforward like this is the first time where i've been like i felt like i was like making plays and like really doing something like off the wall or like oh if i put this into play instead i can pitch this get back the land this time and then reanimate the thing i pitched like it it makes a lot of cool things happen really excited to see that in white uh, my next one is spirited companion <laughs> which nick talked about the one one enchantment creature dog for two mana one in a white etb draw card um i i don't know if it'll be played a lot in like enchantress decks per se but like white decks want this and other decks that care about like maybe having enchantments that don't necessarily exist yet want this this just seems like a great card it's something that's needed to exist for a long time uh four is lion sash nick got into the intricacies of this card uh but the fact that you can tutor this up in a white equipment list means that i think it's going to be just a staple in that archetype for forever. Uh, my next one differs from uh, Nick's list. Uh, it's a black card. It is Nashi Moon Sage's Scion. Um, so this is a mythic rare. This is one of the ninjas. This is a rat ninja. It's a 3-2 for 3 mana, 1 black black. And it has ninjutsu of 3 and a black. And then when it deals combat damage to a player, exile the top card of each player's library until end of turn. You may play one of those cards. If you cast a spell this way, pay life equal to its mana value rather than paying its mana cost. Um, there were a lot of ninjas in the set. There's a lot of things I could have picked. I picked this one as like, this is just going to go in every ninja deck now. Like this is just going to go in every Yuriko. This is just going to go in in every what's the other the umazawa in this set um it, it also Saitoru. is just like it also is just like a you know random value if you can consistently get in with it um yeah you're just then, gonna draw a lot of cards yeah it's a ton of cards um so kind of for a lot of these reasons i figured at bare minimum i mean like yuriko is seven thousand like almost 7500 decks on EDA track, I say Toru is, uh, I don't think it's going to have nearly that many, but it is going to have some 
like ninja synergies. I think this is one of the few ninjas I would run in that deck. Uh, just because like I would rather be cheating out big things than like y- utilizing that draw trigger. But um, uh, I, Satoru is not on my list, so I'm not going to talk about him necessarily right now. But um, yeah, I figured this is one of the ones we might see. Um, it's splashy. It's a ninja, so it's an irrelevant type. Uh, seemed like a banger to me. Uh, Reckoner's Bargain, the same as Nick. And this one actually, um, after playing with, has impressed me a lot because it's you gain life equal to the CMC of the thing you sacrificed. So like sometimes that's a lot of life. (laughs) Like I didn't realize like how I thought it was like power or something like that when I first like read the card and actually playing with it. I'm like, Oh wow. I'm actually like getting a decent chunk out of this. So, um, that's been more relevant in limited, but it's like nothing to sneeze at for commander especially if you are running a loop with like a card that's like maybe four mana or something like that you can get a lot of value out of it so um those are my black cards um didn't have any blue cards this time sorry blue um red i had lizard blades and uh that's mostly because red wants to do this and fire shrieker is uh is in a, a lot of decks. It's in like 11,000 decks on EDA track. Oh, more than that. It's in almost 20,000 decks on EDA track. So Fire Shrieker is immensely popular. A lot of the commanders that are playing it are red. I mean, there's commanders that aren't red also. There's like Scytherix and uh, Cherix and Gorm and Virtus and stuff like that. But like a lot of um, Voltron commanders happen to have red in them. And even if they don't, this is something that will be played in like Rayov lists, Brunor lists, insert Boros artifact equipment commander here, Akiri. This is going to be played in um, Jorkadeen, probably. It's an artifact, but it also gets double strike. So it will deal eight damage if it goes in unblocked. Um, like it, it just seemed like something people are going to want and people are going to play. Um, so it made my my top ten. Uh, number eight, Kodama the West Tree, for a lot of the reasons that Nick said. So, a card that I'm gonna, um, Nick already talked about Kodama the West Tree like a decent amount, so I'm not necessarily going to bring up <laughs> that one, but, um, so Harvest Season has like been a card that has like really impressed me over the years since it came out. Cause even if it's just three mana, get two lands, that's kind of better than Cultivate <laughs> a lot of the time. Like, you get two lands onto the battlefield immediately. And oftentimes in the decks that I've played it in, it's get three lands, get four lands. It's get a lot more than that for three mana, which is absolutely bonkers. Like getting three lands on like turn three or four, like shoots you so far away from everybody. And Mm -hmm. the reason why I bring that up is because Godama the West Tree does pretty much the exact same thing, except it does it every turn. It, It will just rocket jump you so far ahead on curve compared to all of your opponents so um i really think this is a card people are going to play with i think it's a card that people recognize the power of right now um and i really can't see a world in which this doesn't make the top 10 um i also had Jukai naturalist on this list um i think that green white enchantress green white enchantments uh bant enchantments uh it's just something that abzan one day (laughs) maybe (laughs) enchantress um 
which is something that has needed a little more love. And this gives it a decent amount of love while being a 2-2 lifelinker. So uh, that made my list. And then the only land I put on this list uh, is Boseju, which is the same as Nick. And I have a little spiel that I was going to do that Nick's already kind of heard. So basically, we kind of have seen that over time, people have been adopting the MDFC land cards from uh, Battle for or uh, Zendikar Rising. Uh, but it took time. And initially, the only ones that people played with were the ones that looked really sexy, the ones that looked really cool, really powerful, which kind of boiled down to like two or three of the rares, uh, the regrowth, and all the mythics. And I think that's what's going to happen with this cycle, too. I think that over time, people are going to look at Odawara, and they're going to look at Takanuma, and they're going to go, oh, you know what? This probably is worth it to put in every blue or black deck, respectively. But right now, I think you look at Takanuma and you go, four mana? I could take it or leave it. <laughs> mm-hmm. And they're not going to play it, even though it is correct to play it. And even though, over time, they probably are going to play it. Boseju is the one out of the the cycle next to uh, Iganjo, where I think that people will just probably play it straight out of the gates. Um, it looks the sexiest. Everyone has acknowledged the power level of it. The power level is off the rails. Um, it's really good, and and the same is kind of true of Iganjo. Uh, it's Iganjo is the pitch deal for to a, a, an attacking or blocking creature, and it costs one less for each legendary creature you control the white one um i think that one also might make this list but boseju 1000 percent will um so that's my top 10 um my list was going to have a lot of green cards and then i realized that i'm really excited for them and that over time people might be excited for them but i wanted to bring them up um so these are some green cards that didn't make it the first one is roaring earth this is the one it's a two mana enchantment um it when a land enters the battlefield, you can put a plus one plus one counter on a creature you control. It costs one and a green, uh, and it has channel. So the channel is X green green. Put X plus one plus one counters on target land you control. It becomes a zero zero green spirit creature with haste. It's still a land. Uh, the reason why I said this one is because retreat to Kazandu is uh, that's that's in pretty good. That's in, in a like lot over of ten thousand decks. Yes, sure, right? exactly. Yeah. It is in over ten thousand decks on EDA track and EDA track for some. Oh, it worked finally. Wasn't loading um, for some reason. Uh, <laughs> EDA track didn't work for me for a sec. Uh, for a, it's over eleven thousand decks on EDA track, um, which is a lot. And if you are just using this for the plus one plus one counter mode, which I assume most people are, um, there's a lot of ways to gain life when you play lands in green so um i'm assuming it's the one that you don't normally have a lot of in green (laughs) um then this is just a strict upgrade uh roaring earth is just better than retreat to kazandu if you're just using that mode um the other one i was going to say is shigeki jukai visionary um and the reason why i say this is because um shigeki i think is going to be a sleeper hit because shigeki in your enchantress list like it bounces itself it ramps you um, and eventually it gets back all of your best cards that have died. So Shigeki Jukai Visionary is a 1-3 legendary enchantment creature snake druid. Very small text on that t- type line. Um, for one and a green, 
it has one in a green tap. Bounce Shigeki. Reveal the top four cards of your library. You may put a land from among them onto the battlefield tapped and the rest into your graveyard. And it has channel XX green green. Return X non-legendary cards from your grave to hand. Um, so I think this is like playing with Shigeki. Uh, this has been so good for me. Um, triggering multiple like enchantment casts and ETBs ramping me in my enchantress list which is something that like i mean if you're if you're in green you don't have a problem with it but like i i am playing with restrictions (laughs) imposed Mm -hmm. on myself and um all of a sudden having a card that can ramp multiple times uh, i think that's good for just any list um and then on top of that like late game being able to get back a bunch of cards this is one of the ones where i don't think people are like necessarily recognizing how strong it is or how good it is right now but over time, people are going to recognize. And I'm telling you as the listener, uh, get on that. This card is not that expensive, and it's very good, and it will do a lot of good things for you. I totally agree with you. I saw Shigeki in your honorable mentions, and I was like, yeah, that's that makes a lot of sense. That's a really good pick. Um, I've been having just a, a barrel of laughs with it on Arena because... There is enough like regrowth effects in that format and um, also a fair number of fogs. And because it's a 1v1 <laughs> format, you can pretty easily just go like Shigeki, I get back regrowth and fog and then I fog you. And then next turn, I use my regrowth and get back Shigeki and do the same thing all over again. And you're basically like time walking your opponents, like unless they've got a combo finish or counter spells. Like I- I've just had... Uh, I've had like several aggro decks just immediately concede to me as soon as I demonstrate the loop. Um, (laughs) and I think that in commander, there's also a lot of really powerful things. Like there's so few, uh, regrowth effects where you can get back multiple cards without exiling the the thing, getting them back. Mm -hmm. Um, there, it, it just opens up a lot of potential like this and a time warp and a regrowth effect. That's infinite turns. Um, or like this and like a, a rude awakening or an early harvest and a regrowth effect. That's also, that's infinite mana. Like it's just very, very easy to break this, mm-hmm. especially like using cards that aren't themselves bad. Um, so I think it's a really powerful card. Yeah. And, and it ramps you and it puts the cards that you need for your combo into your graveyard as it's doing that. And you can do it multiple times. Yeah. It's slow. Yeah. It's four mana to ramp each time, but like, you can pay it in installments. It says instant speed. Um, it's a oh, one yeah. three blocker in the meantime. One thing I've really loved in this, uh, just like when using it as a commander, is the fact that you can break it up means like wilderness reclamation is so, so good. Oh, like, yeah. <laughs> like here, I, I cast my spells with this mana and then I get my spells back with this mana. It's fantastic. Sorry, yeah. go ahead. Oh, no. I mean, I, I, I really think that like Shigeki is snuck into as like maybe my favorite card in the set. Um, like it's it's between this and restoration of Eganjo are like probably my two favorite cards in the whole set uh, and mm-hmm. uh, i kind of had to bring it up because of that like there's no way that this card doesn't see more play over time i just feel like it's not on people's radar right now and and part of that's because the set is packed and like we can kind of get into that if you want like what are your final thoughts on neo after seeing everything the commander decks the main set like oh i'm super uh, so I, I'm like a little low on the commander decks, but just like the main set, um, 
fantastic. Uh, lots of innovation. Um, really does a lot to fill out some niche archetypes. Like vehicles is certainly a lot closer to being possible now than it mm-hmm. was before. Yeah. Um, like I really like modified. It, it just is backwards compatible with so many things. I've always loved batching since it was introduced in historic. And I think this is a really good use of it. Um, the equipment creatures really interesting, like giving a lot of, uh, new dimensions to all the equipment tutors in white. The fact that you can like, you know, go get your graveyard hate by grabbing a lion sash or get like a card advantage engine by getting a, um, by getting a reality chip, uh, a lot going on there. Um, I love the, how they are blowing out enchantment creatures and making it a thing that kind of that can happen more often in magic um, yes. yeah, love rather that. than being tied to Theros. That's great. Um, channel. I'm a huge fan of, of channel and would, I, I just wish we'd seen more of it because it's such uh there's a lot of hooks on channel and it's like one of the few, I mean, it's like spell like effects that counter spells don't interact with, which I think is kind of cool. I think there needs to be more counterplay against counter spells. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, yeah, super. I, I'm, very very pleased with the set i love uh kamigawa neon dynasty yeah and and i i want to say because we talked about this in the set review but um there's been a lot more people in my life who have like started playing again or i've been talking to a lot more newer players lately just for whatever reason and i actually brought up like because they were talking to me they're like hey kamigawa came out and i was like yeah yeah what do you think and like getting their takes on it and uh something we talked about before uh, was kind of like the complexity equity, I guess. Like, how complex can they make a set? Because there's a lot of words on these cards, especially oh, yeah. like the rares. Like, the, the set is really complex. But kind of the general thing and the point, I think, that it's really interesting that Wizards has kind of keyed in on, and we haven't necessarily as in franchise players, is like, when I talk to my friends about what cards they're excited about, the other stuff in the set, they don't really pay attention to the whole set. Um, the newer player was like, so one person in particular had like a red, white artifact, like a uh, equipment deck. Um, mm-hmm. they got back into magic by buying the Wyleth, like, uh, commander legends deck and like have been slowly like upgrading it and we get to play every now and then. And, uh, when I asked them how they felt about the set, they're like, oh man, I love the dragon, like the dragon, the lizard blades. And like the ogre head helm is so cool and the Kieran is so cool. And I'm like, yeah, that's really cool. Like, do you think this set's really complex? Like, how do you think about the rest of it? And they, they just literally told me like, oh, I just don't, I just don't look at those. Like if it doesn't like pertain to me, I don't, I don't look at it. And I was like, oh, that makes sense. <laughs> and the thing is, I think a lot of newer players or like somewhat enfranchised players do that. They skim the set they go, oh, brilliant restoration. I have a deck that could use that. And then they ignore every card next to it. <laughs> you know, they ignore... I, th- I think I see where you're going with this. So, like, yeah, if if people find, like, one thing that makes them happy in the set, like, they'll be happy with the set. And yes. Kamigawa is just full of things to make people happy. Exactly. Like, it, it, on all axes, it's got, like, the white spells for... Uh, so like expand white's color pie. It's got the restoration of Aganjo. It's got the lion sash. It's got the invoke justice. But at the same time, if you just wanted to play ninjas, like you got your biting palm ninja, you got your mm-hmm. Nashi, 
you got your uh, silver or sliver or whatever the the splinter there you go <laughs> i forgot yeah. my thing so like you got some of that there too uh, also, and, if you love sagas, there's stu- there's a whole lot for you. If you yeah. love shrines, there's a whole lot for you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's just so many archetypes and vehicles, like getting like white-blue vehicles. I think that actually was a really smart move for them because like blue makes sense. It's got a lot of artifact synergy. So now v- people who liked vehicles can go, oh, well, what if I play with like these spells now? Um, oh, Thoughtcast? That's a cool spell. Like it kind of opens the door that way. So I think like in that sense like looking at new players or like kind of the the players that were invisible to wizards for a really long time i think they've really figured out how to um kind of hit home with them and i think the last few sets like starting with caldheim to now are really doing that you know so that that's kind of what kamigawa seems like to me uh yeah no i i'm uh this seems like a great set um uh, really really happy with what they've done with you know one of magic's uh most maligned most maligned settings yeah Um, it really gives me hope one thing uh i saw on social media not long after like the hype really started to build for kamigawa is uh mark rosewater posted a poll on twitter asking like okay what other sets or what other settings in magic would you be interested in returning to and it was all things that like I guess hadn't done super well in the past. Like Lorwyn Shadowmore was there, New Phyrexia was there. Um, so it gives me hope that we're going to be able to sort of get mulligans on other settings that maybe didn't, uh, you know, hit the right note the first time. But like, have their fans like I love Shadowmore, I love New Phyrexia, and I'm really excited at the prospect of going back to uh, and fixing some of these older settings that. Um, maybe weren't executed perfectly the first time around. Yeah, I I definitely agree with that. And and on top of that, like if they splinter and give us a whole bunch of crazy cards for like really particular archetypes and make mech titan cores for people who want those and you know like I'm all for it. Like let's let's do it. Like if if every set is like made with awesome disparate things and just like a little but not not maybe in huge volume i think yeah that'd be great yeah exactly because i mean we were long past the days when a set comes out and there's like two cards that are relevant to commander right like Mm -hmm. i remember like being really excited for spoiler season and looking through stuff and being like oh okay okay well that's a cool card okay and then at the end of spoiler season go "Eh, you know i might pick that card up but but now it's like specifically there's a ton of stuff but it's because they're building into these like corners um like invoke calamity like is a cool card but like it's a cool card specifically for like four decks right now in the format you know like like casting a bunch of instants and sorceries isn't something every deck wants to do but some decks really want to do it um and like comboing with the what's the black the techno something um ruthless technomancer ruthless technomancer like comboing with ruthless technomancer like that's like something that uh that someone else might see and be like really excited about and uh and just adds a lot to commander so like i i don't mind the disparate feeling of this i do think that looking at 
um, like comparing the commander decks between sets, um, the last few sets, especially like back with the um, like the decks that were like twenty dollars, um, going back to Kaldheim, the uh, Zendikar Rising decks, compared to the ones that we have now, and even even the last few commander sets that were like thirty five, forty dollars. Um, just the amount of money you got in them was a lot better. So I'm hoping that like, just comparatively, we see some more oomph in the next set of commander decks. Um, I think, I think it's an issue with, um, well, I, I think like a good question to ask is how much of the value of those recent decks was from the new cards, because I was disappointed with a lot of the new cards, especially in the or, well especially in the red green deck um yeah. i think they chose a theme where it was difficult to for them to make exciting cards like it's hard to just make auras that are pushed for or like interesting or compelling in commander yes <laughs> um and like the one aura they made that was really good for commander like could have easily been executed as an enchantment there's no reason it needed to be an aura um so i think like Part of it was they chose a theme that prevented them from making exciting cards, and that's going to drive down the cost of the deck. Like, um, you look at the blue white deck, there's a couple new cards in there that are, you know, commanding decent price tags, like $7 or something for a drum bellower. Mm-hmm. I think that if, and I, I think that if they choose the right theme, it's a lot easier for them to make something that's a good value for customers. Yeah. I mean, I, I will. I will give you that. I I also think that like they could have just put better reprints in here too into both oh, sure, decks. Yeah. You yeah, know, that's, like that's an easy one. But. Like like that's easy. Yeah, I yeah. I know that's a little bit of a cop, <laughs> but <laughs> but um, I feel like if you're you're gonna pick a theme and you're gonna go for it and you're gonna print it, you're gonna put it into the world. Like you should give the players like what they need. Like a a big part of these decks is that a new player will pick up this list and be competitive and like, you know, like have a good time, like be able to play magic with their friends. And part of that is like giving them some staples to work with. Right. So like it kind of blows that like we've gotten forgotten ancient in like every other green plus one plus one countery commander list since they first came out but like we can't get like a great henge or something and you know maybe something not that drastic but like i'll I'll give them i'll give them credit i think that um these lists do have a lot of cards that we would consider staples it's just not the expensive ones yeah that's true so for example like the you know the the white blue one it's got uh it's got like sort okay here we go it's got swords to plowshares it's got generous gift it's got reality shift um you know it has uh an arcane signet there in there an azorius signet like these are not bad cards i think they do a relatively good job of you know making sure that you will be able to deconstruct this deck and put a lot of the cards somewhere else and use them mm-hmm, mm-hmm. it's just they don't have it you know they're not delivering on the staples that are already expensive. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, that's true. I mean, there's like they could have put in like a Thran Dynamo into this list. You know, like that card's not crazy expensive, but does need a reprint and like mm-hmm. would have done a lot to like help the list. Like 
there's there's a bunch of like little things but i guess i'm hesitant to say that i because I, I don't completely hate these decks and like i actually think that like out of the box they're gonna play like fine they're gonna be kind of fun if you just play with your friends but like it kind of blows that if you were the new player and you're like i love kamigawa neon dynasty this set looks so cool and you get one of these commander decks you're just getting like almost half of the value of like other commander decks and all because you wanted like the cool aesthetics like Mm -hmm. i don't think a new player should be punished for that i don't think any player should be like punished like oh you want the cool new deck well (laughs) like (laughs) good for you kid you picked wrong and you got way less value like that kind of sucks yeah i'm gonna i'm gonna give them the benefit of the doubt here i don't think this is necessarily representative of like a trend going forward Mm -hmm. um like i i believe chris mooney is like their first commander decks are going to be coming out with new capenna so um maybe it's like uh we'll, we'll see how that turns out but it's not like the same people doing this every single time and like choosing oh we're just gonna make them suck going forward yeah <laughs> um, yeah no i do i i do want to say that i i i know that it's been a similar crew who has been making the deck so i would assume this is an anomaly as opposed to the last ones because the last few have been um i mean i think partly because it was um Innistrad, but even before that, like there was a lot of tribal themes that we were seeing. I think tribal themes are like a good choice for commander precons because yeah. it's just like easy to get people excited about them. Like, I love, you know, I love zombies, so I'm go- of course I'm going to pick up the zombie precon. But like, you show somebody this like modified, and it's like, I don't know if people are so necessarily excited about like the crunchiness of like plus one plus one count like do plus one plus one counters excite me or like am i excited by some individual cards that put plus one plus one that involve plus one plus one counters um i I think that's just like harder to latch onto than like you know something like as tangible as a creature type yeah no i think that's definitely true and i think that like people obviously really like creature types um but like yeah a lot of the last few commander decks not just in a strad which obviously is a is a tribal component is a huge part of it but like um we had the elves with the caldheim one and we had i guess strixhaven was different uh rogues and was part of them and there's there's like a it just seems like a thing they've been doing going forward so i think this time they're like what if we just didn't do that even though like the set does have tribal components and i think I want them to keep doing that. I want them to keep exploring. I just would hope that like, if they're going to pick something that's not as exciting, like you said, like plus one, plus one counters, like modified that um, they have more awareness <laughs> in the future, you know? Um, Cause I, I do think what you said is right. I do think it's like hard to like make that sexy, you know, it's like, Ooh, yeah. Put a plus one, plus one counter on up to two target creatures. Hmm feels good or it's like um oh like kodama the west tree <laughs> obviously yeah, it's like oh when uh <laughs> like oh kodama the west tree when i attack with my creature with a plus one plus one counter on it i get to like rampant growth 
like holy cow also they have yeah. trample <laughs> like <laughs> yeah it's like which part of that card is exciting people is it like the word modified or is it like the huge awesome reward for modifying yeah exactly so yeah i i, I hope that there is a little bit more awareness because like historic like we're gonna go back to dominaria i'm expecting historic to be part of it um but like historic in and of itself isn't cool and fun and good but like when teshar says like reanimate a historic thing when you cast a historic spell like that is cool and good right like when joyra says draw a card when you cast a historic spell that is cool and good and fun like it's not that historic means like legendary like artifact or saga it's that historic is tied to these cool play patterns that they like engineered so like kodama of the west tree like cool awesome orochi merge keeper the the mana dork that makes more mana if it has a plus one plus one counter on it like super cool but like just having like cards that put counters on <laughs> your creatures mm-hmm. uh maybe the focus is in the wrong spot so uh we shall see we'll see what happens in the next ones but um i think i am excited for new capenna i'm worried about three color commanders that's an internal worry. I don't think I should be, but they just they just keep making it hard to play monocolor. <laughs> so that's that's my I guess my closing thought is like I, I really do like that they put a lot of focus on like one and two colors in uh Kamigawa Neon Dynasty. I thought that was really cool. All right. Any any final thoughts? Um no, I like that there's more dogs in the set. I guess that's the last <laughs> my final thought for this. <laughs> Um, and, uh, I want to hear what listeners have to think, I guess. Uh, do you have any final thoughts before we, we do some shout outs and stuff? Yeah. Uh, just one last thing is, um, I am really pleased about the positive response to this set because it is a departure from typical magic in terms of genre. Oh, um, that's definitely and, true. And I really hope that this means that in the future they're going to be willing, more willing to explore things outside of the typical fantasy wheelhouse. Because I, I think there are a lot of people who, you know, would enjoy the magic game system, like the the rules and such, that wouldn't necessarily like super be into dwarves and elves and and typical magic fair but would be pulled in by a set like kamigawa neon dynasty or or even a different genre even something further out there i'm right there with you i think like uh as we see more of these like secret layers branching out into new archetypes and the universes beyond like i think it is cool that this set had such a good response and and i have been hard pressed to find somebody that says this set doesn't feel like magic you know like Mm -hmm. This set feels like magic. It just has cool robots on some of the cards, and that's fine with me. <laughs> if that's the price I gotta pay to like get my like kami funny looking kami back or whatever, like I'll do it. I'll pay it any day, you know. <laughs> mm-hmm. So all right, yeah. 
Well, with that, I'm going to give a brief shout out to our Patreon patrons. They are Gustav, Ryan, Addison, Rick, Raphael, Kyle, Laser, Charlotte, The White Clays, Hannah, Andy, James, Logan, Roger, Evan, Bryce, Dylan, Benjamin, Jamie, Matthew, Kyle, Brandon, Kevin, Jeremy, Russell, Dylan, John, Micah, Troy, Roxanne, Charles, Daniel, Andrew, Jason, Paul, Johan, Jonathan, Christian, Jim, Emmanuel, Andrea, Vasilios, Logan, Frugal Brutal, Carl, Oscar, Kremlin, and Danny. Thank you all for supporting the show. If you're not currently a Patreon patron but would like to become one, please check us out at patreon.com slash commander theory. Thanks for listening. If any of you theorists want to get in touch with us, I am at commander theory on Twitter and Tumblr. And Zach is at fat Bartleby on Twitter. Our theme song is Lincoln continental by entropy. And you can check them out on SoundCloud until next time. We're going back to the drawing board.